On the cover, the Midnighters are shown in heroic battle poses in the middle of a half-destroyed casino. Graviton struggles to hold down a monstrous blue ogre while the righteous flame winds up a fiery punch. Next to them, Southpaw and his loyal dog Waldo duel an ebony-armored knight, baseball bat clashing with longsword as Waldo tugs on the knight's cape. Behind them, Moonflower sprints after a group of masked thugs fleeing with bags overflowing with cash, unaware that her fledgling team is being watched by a shadowy figure standing on top of the building across the street. Wonder World Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 1, Time to be Heroes, Issue 1, Some Assembly Required. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. So our comic opens with a large two-page spread of our city of New Olympus at sunset. New Olympus is located on the northern coast of Washington State, about 75 miles northwest of Seattle. It's a large metropolitan city of several million people, known for its neon-lit hotels and casinos and Broadway shows, as well as its bustling financial center and stock exchange. But our comic pulls in on the lower brick buildings of Old Town. Uh, specifically, we come up to the, ex- we see the exterior of the library. Um, it's not a normal library. This is a, about like a seven-story red brick building. It is sort of a mix between a youth center, public library, and Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, it's a place where many young supers can uh, just kind of hang out and explore their powers, um, get on their feet, um, do some learning. And uh, that is where we begin our comic, Midas. It is nighttime, or about to be nighttime, um, which means it's about to be time to embark on some superheroics. Mm. What is your, give us a quick physical description of Midas, and then uh, tell us about a little bit about like your room, your living space here, and what you're doing, getting ready to go out for the evening. Uh, physical description, fairly average height, pale, thin, dark hair, uh, not nearly as beefy as suit. Uh, the room, uh, fairly small, very utilitarian, but also has lots of books and artifacts from, uh, various studies of, of, uh, magic, the supernatural, and superheroing. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what are you up to right now? Are you uh, putting on suit or? Uh, suit's pretty instantaneous, so uh, I'd like to keep a, a low profile until actually uh, jumping head on into something. So a little, little, little more sneaky than uh, than just jumping around in a giant demon suit. Awesome, awesome. Um, while you are in your room, uh, you notice a amber glow from underneath the closed door and kind of around the door frame Um, and the knock of a cane tapping against the closed door. And uh, you hear the familiar voice of uh, your friend and mentor, Threshold. uh, Can I come in? Absolutely. And uh, you pull open the door and instead of the uh, interior hallway of the library, the door is just covered by this white, amber, glowing light and Threshold walks in, leaning heavily on his cane, a warm smile on his face. Threshold is a man in about his uh, mid to late 30s, gives off really big high school English teacher vibes, mostly because he was a high school English teacher. He's got uh, curly hair that's kind of starting to recede, um, big, thick glasses, uh, colored shirt with a bow tie and a sweater vest. Yeah, so he walks into your room and says, uh, Hey, Midas, I just wanted to uh, check in before you went out for the evening. How uh, how things been going? With uh, you know, You've been hanging out with some new kids on the block. Good. Um, we put away, put away some, some bad guys with a, a little bit of a struggle, but, uh, but definitely meeting some, some really cool new new superheroes in town. Awesome. Uh, no troubles 
keeping everything under control, you know? Uh, not not recently. Okay, good, good. Um, it's awesome. Just, uh, you know, remember your breathing exercises. Uh, been uh, doing really well on that lately. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Real quick here, I would like each of our other three players to describe another uh, another person who lives or spends a lot of time here at the library. So yeah, some other kid with or without powers. Um, yeah, who spends a lot of time here. Ernest Peterson has a third arm growing from between his shoulder blades. That's all the poor bastards got. <laughs> poor Ernest. So Charlie, um, why don't you give us a description of someone who uh, lives in the library here? Yeah, it's like the older brother from Napoleon Dynamite. You know, big Coke bottle glasses, thin mustache, uh, sweater vest, and kind of a slightly overconfident but standoffish vibe about five foot eight uh light brown hair male pattern baldness um but you know like not a total schlub like his clothes fit correctly and they're clean and he's you know pretty well kept so that's it that's all i know about him awesome and kyra i'm gonna say um Allison lives at the library, and she turns invisible sometimes, but she doesn't really have control over it. it just sort of happens. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, so Midas, uh, you are in your room having a conversation with Threshold. He says, uh, you know, there was something I uh, wanted to ask you about. There have been a couple of kids who've gone missing lately. At first, I thought, you know, they might have left town or found someplace else to stay. But I just wanted, wondered if you could keep an eye out. Um, I haven't heard from Allison in almost a week. So, yeah, if you see anything or hear anything, uh, let me know. You know, we got we to gotta stick together. Absolutely. Awesome. And then uh, we get a nice panel of, um, you could just describe an awesome panel of you stepping out into the night. Mm, let's see. It's a it's a it's a low angle. You can see you can see the moon for sure, and you can't see suit popping out, but you can see a slight slight fiery glimmer in my eyes. Mm. Like I'm, I'm ready. Awesome, awesome. We turn the page, and it's a we have the same shot of the moon in the sky. But this time it is over over an apartment building in uh, kind of between Midtown and Old Town. It's a penthouse apartment. It is large. Um, very modern looking, uh, and is also the secret hideout of Belladonna. Um, Kyra, do you want to give us a brief description of your mentor and her secret base and uh, what you're doing there? Yeah, so Belladonna is um, an information broker and poisons expert. She has this um, penthouse loft type um, base that is very sleek and modern um has a couple walls that kind of are giant tablets that um allows her to do like awesome. you know conspiracy theory walls but like in a really mm-hmm. neat tidy way yeah yeah as well as a like nice little greenhouse in one corner belladonna herself is um in a lot of ways like fairly unremarkable not like super noticeable you wouldn't really pick her out in a crowd um in her human like in her alter ego certainly but even kind of among the vindicators she sort of blends into the background so she's got like a pretty plain black costume um with a hood but she she kind of likes playing like in the background and yeah. yeah keeps out of the spotlight yep awesome and um give us a brief or a quick physical description of uh, your character, Eden, and what she is up to at her mentor's base. So I think Eden has been busy. Um, she is still wearing her school uniform, um, which is just a red pleated skirt and blouse jacket. Um, she's not real thrilled about going to school, but it was kind of like 
something Belladonna thought she should do um, to acclimate a little bit more to being, you know, a teenager, um, a normal teenager, normal ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a little not happy about it. She's been homeschooled and thinks her education has already exceeded what she's going to learn at, um, at her school anyway. But um, I think she's been pretty busy between school and um, some nighttime patrolling. And I think perhaps setting up a base of her own. Um, yes. Still, still wearing her school uniform at this hour. Awesome. Had time to change out of it. Yeah, so uh, we hit a panel inside the secret base, and uh, Belladonna is silhouetted against one of these massive touchscreened walls. Um, it has just, yeah, all kinds of, like, windows and video feeds and monitors on it. And uh, she kind of says, uh, Moonflower, I want you to come take a look at something. And uh, she pulls up a map that says, uh, it's been a string of crimes throughout the city. Lots of um, high-profile break-ins and robberies. I know you fought a humanoid cephalopod at the New Olympus Stock Exchange. And I'm, I think there might be a pattern, but I'm, uh, I need some boots on the ground to investigate. I'm happy to check it out. This mysterious squid creature uh, escaped from custody three nights ago. Um, security pulled up footage of him, uh, taking off his bulky trench coat. And it turns out this being did not have bones. And so they just squeezed right between the bars of the cell and walked on out. Um, and she pulls up a video and it looks like, uh, very much like the, the guy from the first X-Men movie. That's <laughs> just literally what I was just thinking. Perfect. Yeah, yeah our eagle-eyed readers will notice that this is um, the uh, Mr. Squid that um, Midas and Southpaw have encountered already. So Belladonna continues, um, I know you've been working on a team and uh, I wanna be of some assistance in that, which reminds me, I have a present for you. And she kind of smiles and winks and Belladonna leads you down into uh, the garage where she keeps all of her different vehicles um, and equipment. And there is a large vehicle hidden under a tarp. And Belladonna is honestly like kind of giddy. You rarely see her like this, but she is just like, can hardly contain her excitement. She's like really stoked for this. You can tell. She's, uh, and she kind of like, points at it indicating for you that you should uh rip this tarp off of it i will remove the tarp and you reveal a uh an enormous camper van it looks pretty dated it's got wood paneling on the sides um what garish color are the stripes along the wood paneling like a bright orange Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Like that, uh, like that eighties orange and brown aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. And she is, and Belladonna is just beaming from ear to ear. She's just like, looks at it back to you. Well, what do you think? I am going to duck around the side, pretending like I'm examining the, uh, the camper to like, collect myself a little bit and then very perky say wow this is so great yeah I was honestly a little worried uh you wouldn't like it but um I know it's not much to look at but that is kind of the point you know it can blend in keep you undercover uh do some some recon gather information uh it's got uh run flat bulletproof tires a nano weave kevlar through the windows and siding the latest uh, surveillance equipment. Yeah. And uh, it's for you and your team. That's really thoughtful. Thanks. Um, she kind of smiles and says, uh, well, uh, I guess we better get it back to the Kmart, huh? Shopco. Shopco. Guess we better get it back <laughs> to the Shopco, huh? <laughs> 
Awesome. And uh, she uh, tosses you the keys with a smile. Turn the page and we see KT. And KT is standing on the observation deck of the lighthouse. Um, the the lighthouse sits on an island in the middle of the bay between Par a small island between um, the financial district of Paragon Island and the rest of the city. It is also the home base of the world's premier team of superheroes, the Vindicators. So give us a brief physical description of KT and what you're doing up, uh, hanging out up on the roof when the Mantis arrives. KT is five foot five inches tall with a uh, gray hair that ends right about chin length. Their eyes are jet black. Their irises a pale white that slowly pulse. Highly athletic, slim frame. No apparent uh, gender markings on its body. Wearing a silvery black one-piece neck to foot bodysuit with the fingers and toes exposed. And uh, they look over at the mantis before floating over towards him and uh, standing for just a moment in the bright cone of light emanating from the lighthouse. Um, and the mantis does that really awesome, graceful superhero landing where you kind of just float down and take a step and stride. Um, and he's the Vindicator's uh, technical genius. Um, he, no one has ever seen his face. He always wears uh, like a skin tight black nanotech suit um, that's just like brimming with all kinds of gadgets and he can reconfigure it, reconfigure it at will. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just this flat black matte suit with glowing red eyes. But um, he lands next to you and you can see his brow is furrowed, says, uh, well, I think it finally pissed off Langley enough. How do we see his brow furrow if he's wearing a mask? It's skin tight. It's very tight. <laughs> it's like the 60s Batman mask that's always got a furrowed brow. Yes. <laughs> but slight surprise. Over time, the mantis's face has frozen in a permanent scowl. <laughs> <laughs> What is bothering that man tonight? Well, Director Langley seems to think that you were involved in an incident at the bridge the other night. You didn't happen to know anything about that, would you? Are you speaking of the robot and the time traveler? That, yes, would be exactly what I am speaking about. I was involved, yes. Well, uh, I think I'd convince Langley not to press charges. Uh, seeing as you're technically uh, not a U.S. citizen. I am oh. an alien, yes. Correct. But I'm afraid you won't be able to stay at the lighthouse much longer. Um, I know we've been doing a lot of work trying to figure out exactly what you are and how your powers work. And I want to continue that research and continue to help you, but Langley's made it very clear that you can't stay at the lighthouse forever. I am not afraid of Director Langley, but I do not wish to see any undue tension come upon either you or the rest of the most gracious hosts that have been here and helping me these past couple of months. Do you uh, know anyone? Do you have a place you could stay? I know of somebody I can contact. I do not know if I can stay with them, but I'm pretty sure that we'll be able to cross that bridge when we get to it. Agreed. Well, either way, I'm glad to have met you, KT. Uh, stay in touch. If you need anything, if there's anything I can do, do what I can. And he uh, extends a hand for you to shake. I grasp it and shake it. Awesome. And... Uh, we get a really nice uh, shot of your two silhouettes on the top of the lighthouse as the light swings around again, shaking hands. Um, and then we cut to our last but not least member of the team, uh, Sam. Um, it is 
just about the end of your shift at the Burger Shack. And you are uh, pretty stoked for another night of superheroics out of you. Uh, give us a description of what you look like and uh, what you're up to. Sam is getting ready to close up the Burger Shack, actually. And so he's like uh, taking off that paper hat, you know, that for some reason burger people are forced to wear, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. honestly insane that, that they force people to wear that paper hat for no reason, you know, other than to just have a pe- like a napkin on your head. You know? <laughs> But it, anyway, so uh, he takes that off, uh, and then the uh, the apron, of course, and he's just you know got some Levi's and some kind of dirty uh, Chuck Taylor sneakers, and uh, but a pretty clean white T-shirt, except it's got some like grease splatter on it. So um, he ducks out the back of the Burger Shack and uh, runs over to his truck where like on top of the truck Waldo's just like hanging out because he you know he could like stay in the back but he's you know wants to be like out and about so but he needs like a safe place so he's on top of the truck and so he like Waldo climbs down and uh Sam uh like opens the back of the truck and there's a bunch of you know it's not very clean or organized but he kind of rifles through grabs a new t-shirt and his uh letterman jacket and throws that on and uh and as he and waldo get ready to uh drive away from the boardwalk um he's just kind of looking out over the the lighthouse and the the bridge in paragon island and there's like a nice sunset happening over the city Awesome. We get a, yeah, just a beautiful full page spread of just the, uh, the beautiful purple and orange of the sunset. And it's, oh, so actually, uh, as he's leaving the burger stand too, there's a quick shot of like, he, sorry, he's like closing the door and, uh, he says, uh, see you later, Ren. And then, uh, there's a girl who's his coworker there and she's like, um, yeah, see you, Sam. And then um, her name is Ren. Ren. I love having new NPCs. Yeah, I had to throw it in there. I love it. Um, have you, um, over the last couple of nights, have you um, been in contact with your uh, your friend, Mister Squid, and his companions, or um, what have you? Have you? Yeah. So we are, just to be clear, we are in the, the post-low country uh, drainage spout boil. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the, yeah, a couple nights after that, and like uh, maybe even the, the night after the uh, your battle on the bridge with Clockwork. Okay, yeah, no, that makes... Yeah, so actually, that's a good point. Sam has like a big like black eye and like sort of the missing tooth and split lip look going on a little bit, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, like he just got in a fight like yesterday basically is what that looks like. And so um, I think uh, he hasn't, because this is just the next night. I think that's where he's heading is actually back to uh, that old town or it's like warehouse districty, right? Mm-hmm. In that area, yeah, okay, yeah. So, I think we said it was like uh, on the other side of the lighthouse, like you you go to the end of the boardwalk, or, yeah, sorry, but it's, the, it's the still like pier, but it's like industrial pier, yeah, 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 yeah. The, it's, the or between the opera and the cannery district, yeah, so edge of the cannery district, yeah. So, anyway, so he's he's headed out that way again. That's that's what he does. He uh, you see him pull up in, in his little uh Nissan truck, and him and Waldo hop out, and he like swings his head down from up above and you see him looking upside down into the pipe. So that's another uh, shot. Um, and uh, two lamp-like eyes of the um, small fish person child look up and meet you and grin and he lets out just a joyful shout 
as Waldo comes running down the stairs and uh, kind of leaps up at him, trying to lick his face. And uh, <laughs> they are they are they've become very fast friends. Um, nice. Yes. Yes. You still haven't um, quite figured out much of their um, their language, but you have figured out you know some some rudimentary sign language and stuff, and can communicate with them a little bit. But yeah, um, what did you? Yeah, what are you? What do I do? Yeah, what do you do? I guess is what I'm trying to ask here. <laughs> um, I, so I, I guess uh, I I signed to him to try and ask something along the lines of. Um, wh- wh- where are you from and or are there others like you can can I go to where you're from or is it underwater or what's um, that you know what's that look like uh Mr. Squid nods and um gestures back to the ocean and uh indicates that he came from they came from deep deep beneath the sea um and he kind of like uh smashes his fist together um kind of like indicate there is some like great conflict and then he gestures to um the fish woman and her child and the small uh crustacean creature uh his companions and gestures around them okay and then so then sam's like have you always been able to exist uh, outside of the ocean? Does that make sense? Um, uh, Mr. Squid looks a little confused, um, but uh, manages to communicate that like the ocean is their home and you know they don't want to be too far away, but they can't return. Uh, they've been driven away from where they would normally live for whatever reason. Okay, so Sam, at that, he kind of nods with a little bit of solemnity, and he says, uh, well, what can I do to help? Yeah, um, I don't know, Mr. Squid, I guess we'll, yeah, invite you back inside their their little culvert and um, just kind of invite you to sit down around their uh, fire. Um, And it is about this time when your team communicator, all of your team communicators um, go off. Eden, you are receiving a red alert from your base from a casino in the middle of Midtown uh, near the Majestic. It is an immediate danger. Uh, Civilians are in peril and it is being robbed at this very moment by a superpowered threat. How does everyone respond? So so we all... Yes. Okay. You are all getting a red alert on your communicator. Oh, okay. Not all of you. Is it is it readout? Um, I don't know. Uh, Eden, how do your communicators work? That's a great question. They're like ninety style beepers. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that there is like a beep and then like a nice like sort of robotic AI type voice that gives kind of a general like classification of alert um but not really specifics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah you get the um the voice of your because you have a not like a well yeah you have a supercomputer right at your base do you want to I think i have a <laughs> normal computer <laughs> you have a Belladonna it's super has... cool i mean it's super <laughs> cool the monitors like Go across. It's, it's like one of those early 2000 ones with like the colored plastic. <laughs> Super stylish. Was left um, over at the shop co. <laughs> so, um, yes, your uh, the alert pings in your ear and uh, the uh, robotic voice says, level three threat detected in midtown. Level three threat detected in midtown. I pop on suit and immediately take to the sky. Awesome. What does it look like when you put on suit? Um, sort of, sort of a quick ooze-like business, and then ignition of flaming wings. Awesome. And then the horns and spikes just kind of grow out of the ooze. Eden, what do you do when you get this alert? So I'm going to try and find a little more information 
before I head out, but like very quickly, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just to try and get a sense of what we're going to be up against. And then also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you were able to pull up uh, security footage, live security footage of uh, this casino. Um why don't you give me, uh, someone give me just like a really crazy outlandish theme that this like casino has gone for. It's just obnoxious. Bunnies. The, um, awesome. So, uh, yeah, there is a robbery down at the rabbit house and, um, you see a large blue ogre wearing cargo pants and a tank top, like swinging a ball and chain furiously around the casino floor, just smashing through kino machines. Um, patrons are screaming and running. And kind of behind him in the background, you can see a figure wearing what looks like medieval knight's armor. It's all black. Um, directing some men wearing masks, holding guns with his sword. And um, you immediately recognize these villains as Belch and Sir Sinister. Oh, no. Sam, how do you uh, respond to this red alert? Uh, yeah, so he, he kind of pops up and tries to, you know, express true sign and body language. Oh, oh, my apologies, gotta run. Uh, and then so hops out of the uh, culvert and uh swings out him and him and waldo let's see how does waldo get out of there and get back up so i'm picturing you have to go up and down i'm imagining there's like some concrete stairs or yeah something. no there's so yeah there's like concrete like riprap around it and so waldo just kind of hops out and climbs up but mm-hmm. sam mm-hmm. can kind of do a, a, a gymnastics swing up and climb his way straight up you know Awesome, awesome. So, uh, so he says, "Yeah, yeah uh, my apologies, got to run." And he, so he does that, and then, and um, it stays on where his feet kind of disappear, and then he like he says, "Oh, it almost forgot," and he throws like one of those white butcher paper packs uh, down, awesome. and it's uh, it's full of uh, some raw shrimp. Amazing. Um, they. Uh... You um, hear the small fish child like laughing and giggling uh, behind you as you uh, leave. Um, and finally, KT. My communications device goes off. I look Mantis in his beady red eyes and I tell him, I must go. My people need me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, he doesn't ask questions. He's a professional superhero. He knows it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> KT is going to rocket at uh, 143 miles an hour straight up. And uh, after about 8,000 feet, uh, I'm going to click on my communicator to access open channel and ask uh, ask Moonflower what the what the situation is. Nothing we can't handle. Uh, mostly fairly primitive we- weapons. And, uh, yeah, you all are hearing this conversation in your communicators. Oh, right, yeah. Um, so Sam says, uh, so like, we're talking chimpanzees, bon- bonobo, orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that far off. Um, and with that, we are going to smash cut to our heroes arriving at the casino. And uh, we get a full two-page spread of just the chaos uh, unfolding before you. Yeah, uh, we get uh, the first really good look at these villains. Um, Belch is a massive 12-foot-tall blue-skinned ogre from the Wild, who has been trapped in Earth for the last couple of years. Um, he's wearing cargo shorts and a tank top and <laughs> has, uh, like big tusks and, um, moose antlers and tiny, tiny little butterfly wings on his <laughs> Um, that absolutely cannot lift him up the, off the ground. Uh, and, um. I love Belch, actually. I don't want to <laughs> hurt, I don't want to hurt Belch. He's, yeah. Oh, anyway. 
<laughs> he is causing problems. He is causing quite a few problems at the moment. And um, behind him, you can see Sir Sinister. Uh, he is an onyx-clad knight wearing a red tabard with a black goat's head on it. And um, he holds his hand out next to him and closes his fist. And the hilt of a sword appears in his hand, and he draws this sword from this like crackling lightning, red lightning portal, and uh, lowers the sword at the civilians cowering before him. Says, Stay calm, citizens. This will all be over soon if you comply with our demands. And Bells goes, Yeah, be complying. <laughs> What do you do? I turn to the rest of my team and I say, I'll take the big guy. Awesome. And I think we are going into battle as a team. Um, so let's get some team in the pool so you guys can have something to work with in this fight. So we start out with one team in the pool. And when we enter battle against a dangerous foe as a team, we add two more immediately. So we are at three. Um, who's the leader of the team? Moonflower. Moonflower? I, I take all my suggestions from Moonflower first. I'm going to assume Moonflower. That, that, that checks out. Um, Moonflower, do you have influence over every other teammate? Yep. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it's, it's Moonflower. So we're up to 14. Um, Moonflower, what is your purpose in the fight? Um, I, I also, before we get too far, want to point out that I have the captain move. So if I am the leader, we uh, get an extra awesome. team. So we are up to four teams then. And what is your purpose in the fight? So immediate purpose is just to like, you know, stop what is going on, save some citizens and such. Um, on a little bit deeper level this is kind of moonflower like hoping to get some traction she's wanting to get her team kind of you know a little more teamy than they have been uh yeah. to date awesome uh, a good team building exercise yeah yeah like a little trust fall almost yeah yeah <laughs> um is everyone does anyone else have uh, a different purpose other than keeping people safe and team building no, that's that's generally the goal for this one. Awesome. Um, so we are up to five team. Does any team member mistrust Moonflower or uh, does anyone mistrust the team or the leader? Negative. No. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I don't think you guys are ill-prepared or off-balance. Awesome. So you guys are starting with six team in the pool. Let's see. One for starting the game. Two for entering battle. Leader has influence. Everyone has the same purpose. Team captain. Yes. Okay. Six. Excellent. Um, which is amazing. And uh, so during this fight, you guys can spend that team to boost each other's roles. Um, awesome. So Midas, you are, you said you've got the big guy. What are you doing? Um, I immediately try to get his attention. Um, and separate him from uh, his armor-clad boy. Um, I throw some uh, some some little little streams of fire at his face to kind of uh, irritate him more than anything else. See if I can get him swinging at me. Awesome. Um, I think that's the basic move, baby. I know. I'm thinking. I was going to say directly engage a threat, but it honestly sounds more like you might be trying to provoke him. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um. So. Uh, why don't you go ahead and roll plus superior? And so I roll a d6, correct? Yep. Um, so when you provoke someone susceptible to your words, and I think um, uh, Belch isn't that bright of a guy and uh, does take, uh, I think he's susceptible to your words. Um, so say what you're trying to get them to do and roll superior, which is uh, 2d6 plus, yeah, your superior. Which is a zero. Awesome. So 2d6. So you got a two and a three. Awesome. That is a five. Um, awesome. Um, so that would be a 
miss. Mm. What is this? Um, so you were like shooting jets of flame at uh, at Belch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say that um, it. I'm going to say this works, um, and maybe it works a little too well because almost immediately there is a massive wrecking ball on the end of a chain sailing through the air that connects with your rib cage and sends you flying backwards through a roulette wheel. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have you roll to take a powerful blow. So um, that is a roll plus your conditions marked, which I don't think you have any yet. And um, the, I know of. And this is the only move in the game you want to roll low on. And a d6. 2d6. 2d6. Three and a two. Excellent, excellent. You're consistent. Um, so uh, don't forget to mark experience for um, failing your provoke. And then you also successfully avoided a uh, powerful blow. So on a miss, you stand strong. Mark potential is normal and describe how you weather the blow. Two of them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what happens if I get all the way up? You to get to take an advancement. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, you get cannonballed with this wrecking ball. Oof. Um, but uh, you managed to stand strong and weather the blow. What does this look like? Um, I, it's, it's a, a kind of a big shockwave absorption by suit keeps me from dying and, uh, kind of slide back a little bit, but dig the claws into the ground. Awesome. It is a good demon nightmare suit. Mm, good suit. Um, awesome. So, uh, Midas says, I've got the big guy, rushes forward, and immediately gets sent flying across <laughs> the room. What are the rest of you doing? I think Eden's taking charge a little bit. Um, so seeing how this has played out, I'm going to say, KT, help Midas. I've got, what is it, Sir Sinister? Mm-hmm. I'm on it. Uh, Southpaw, you help with the civilians. Get them to safety. Can do. So how are you approaching Sir Sinister? Hypothetically, if I zoned out a little bit when you were describing him, what does he do? Um, Something I maybe should have considered before (laughs) I volunteered to take him. He is a black-clad armored knight, and um, he has a connection to the Blade Force which is a mythical dimension connecting the multiverse. Uh, it is built from the uh, spirits of warriors and the weapons they wield, and he can pull any bladed weapon from the blade force. Cool, cool, cool. I like blades. Yes. He's also a very skilled fighter. Yes. Um, awesome. So, yeah, your eyes kind of lock across the chaos on the casino floor, and... Um, he nods his head and with his uh, second hand draws a red, uh, I'm going to say battle axe. Yeah, that's cool. That's officially a seven on the uh, Richter scale of cool things that are also bladed. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, so he looks pretty cool as he's like locked eyes with you and comes stalking towards you. Says, uh, yes. The latest daughter, the deadly Belladonna. I'm thinking this is a two knife situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, Eden is right handed, so right hand, her biggest knife, which is fairly dagger, it's fairly long. Um, and then smallest knife in the left hand. And he looks cool, but so do I. Awesome. Um, and like, I've fought a lot of skilled people. Like my parents are professional assassins. Um, I feel pretty okay. Yeah. Just going into the fight. Awesome. Sounds like you might be directly engaging a threat. Does that sound accurate? So go ahead and roll plus danger. I rolled a four. Awesome. Awesome. We are starting out strong. (laughs) Um, so, uh, go ahead and mark potential. Um, Because we learn from our mistakes, which is good. So you are um, walking towards each other, kind of eyes locked, preparing to have this epic duel. 
Sir Sinister levels his longsword at you. Yeah, no, he's just gonna lunge at you. And um, yeah, you guys start having an epic sword fight in the middle of this casino floor. And you were both, yeah, incredibly skilled. Just in general, what does uh, Eden's fighting style look like? So Eden's fighting style is actually like fairly adaptable. So it might not necessarily look the same issue to issue. Um, Depends on who's drawing, who the artist is. <laughs> Depends who the artist is. No, I mean, that that's also just part of like, she's a very dynamic character who like, that's one of her strengths is sort of fitting the occasion. Um, so I, I think going into this fight, like, she has very skilled. She's up against a very skilled opponent. Um, his weapons are bigger. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine he is bigger. Um, so I, I think this is one where she's like really going to be relying on speed. Um, she's pretty, pretty yeah. speedy. Um, and doing more dodging defensive than... Yeah. So you are um, dodging this battle axe that he's swinging wildly at you and uh, tumbling backwards and flipping up on top of a, a Kino machine and like leaping from the top of machine to machine, avoiding his blows. And finally, he just gets fed up and uh, drops his sword and rips a spear out of midair and just hawks it at you. And you're able to kind of like catch the blade with your daggers um, but it sends you knock, uh, it knocks you clean off your feet and sends you falling backwards onto the casino floor. Um, I think you are also going to have to take a powerful blow. So go ahead and roll. Actually, um, I don't think this is quite a powerful blow. Uh, why don't you go ahead and mark a condition? Whatever you think is most appropriate. I'm going to go with insecure. Awesome. Awesome. That checks out. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, floor of the casino is in chaos. There are masked armed thugs um, holding people at gunpoint and raking poker chips and cash into uh, duffel bags. And one very angry blue ogre. Let's go with Sam. What are you what are you up to? What's your plan? I think uh, so when when he's sort of looking to Moonflower to figure out what the move is, uh, but eager to get involved and do something. And so when, when she says like, go help out the civilians, um, he kind of runs around along the side um, towards, there's this like a big rabbit's head on the side of the wall. And it's like, mouth is wide open is the entrance to this big like the you know like how casinos have stages like oh yeah, the side yeah. you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so so sam runs over there and he's like hey everybody follow me and waldo in here and then uh sort of whistles and waldo runs across so that everyone kind of is like looking at waldo and sees waldo run into the scary rabbit's big mouth Awesome. I, I'm kind of leaning towards defend someone. I think it is defend someone. I think, yeah, I think you're defending these people from, um, yeah, the armed bandits. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the crowd starts to move towards the, uh, the mouth of this theater. Um, but some of the gunmen start to notice and start um, trying to intervene and get in the way and put a stop to this. So let's have you go ahead and roll plus savior. Ha ha. My specialty. I activated your trap card. <laughs> uh, seven. Awesome. And does that include your plus one from Waldo helping you? Yeah. Or wait. No, I don't think so. Ooh. Because, yeah, no, you're right. It's come on lucky, too. Yeah, I get it from Come On Lucky. So it's mm -hmm. an eight, but it's still, I guess it's still a mixed success. So uh, on a hit, um, you keep them safe and choose one. So add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect or clear a condition. And in this case, I'm going to kind of treat this crowd of people and uh, patrons of the casino as like one person for the purposes of taking influence. Okay. Um, 
and yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I would, I would guess I would do that. You know, that's, that's what worked. So yeah. Awesome. And on a seven to nine, it costs you expose yourself to danger or escalate the situation. Um, expose myself to danger. Awesome. Waldo is able to, uh, lead the people towards this, the safety of this theater and, um, herds them. Um, he's a, he's a very good boy. Um, and you move to intercede between, uh, these armed thugs. Um, what does it, what does this look like as you, uh, go to physically engage some, some criminals? I think it's just that Sam, uh, clenches his jaw and says, why don't you bullies pick on someone your own size? And awesome. uh, he, he just like, honestly, he's going to like telegraph a punch. Like he's not, it's not a great, you know, <laughs> in terms of martial artistry, it's not great, but he's just going to like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with maximum panicky bravado, just that's all, <laughs> that's all he's got. So he's going to go straight in. Awesome. So you just throw yourself into battle against these thugs and you're doing pretty well and uh, are managing to hold your own and you get the people to safety. Um, But they do get a few good hits in. And uh, one of these guys pulls out like uh, this stun baton and manages to just like jab it into your stomach. Um, Go ahead and take a powerful blow. Okay. Um, and that's plus danger. It's a plus conditions marked. Oh, plus conditions. The one you want to roll low on. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, so just two d six. Flat roll. Ten. Baby. Ooh, Ooh, (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Uh, so wait, no, that's bad. Yeah, no, it's really bad. (laughs) 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 Welcome, welcome to issue one of the big letters. No, I take the I take the powerful blow powerfully. (laughs) Okay, Southpaw takes it like a man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So on a ten plus, you choose one. You must remove yourself from the situation, flee, pass out, etc. You lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way, or two options from the seven to nine list. And the seven to nine list is lash out verbally, provoke a teammate to full hardy action. Uh, you give ground here, and your opponent gets an opportunity, or you struggle past the pain and mark two conditions. Okay, um, I, I guess I got to do the two other ones. So you know what it is is I think that they see me getting like all these people see me getting pummeled and uh and i just am like i'm just like i i scream and it because it hurts really bad mm-hmm. and it uh, inflicts a condition on the crowd oh yeah yeah you see so, what i'm saying yeah so you burn your influence to over these this crowd um to inflict a condition on them. And they uh, they see you fighting in just like this panic kind of wild state. And they start to panic and just kind of stampede into this theater. Everything is starting to go sideways. And then uh, what was your, your second option? I guess I will struggle past the pain and mark two conditions of my own. Yes. Yes. Awesome. The conditions are... Uh, afraid, angry, guilty, hopeless, and insecure. And if you mark, have to mark a condition when you already have all five marks, you are KO. I do angry and guilty. Awesome, awesome. That checks out. KT, uh, the crowd is starting to panic. Your friends, Midas and Eden, are getting both getting the crap beaten out of them by superheroes. What are you doing? I'm going to fly towards the ogre, becoming the brightest thing in the room. And right before I flying headbutt impact that ogre, I'm going to make, I'm going to increase the density of my head to the point where it weighs seven tons before connecting. Amazing. Um, 
it it sounds like you are very much directly engaging Belch here. Very directly engaging Belch. Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and roll plus danger for me? And roll high, because we don't want the team to, like, die. <laughs> that is a six minus one. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so that is a five. We do have team in the pool. We could spend some team. You guys have a lot of team in the pool. We could spend some team and uh, try and bump that up to a seven. So just the team points just add mm-hmm. to the rolls? Yep. So you have six uh, team in the pool right now. And if you can explain to me how you help KT in this situation, uh, you can add plus one to that to that roll. Is is the, the ogre still swinging around with his balls and chains? Oh, yeah. I I open a portal to the Nightmare Realm right in front of the ball and chain and open a second one right behind his head. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then we're going to need one more person to get in on this and, and help out, get it up to a seven. I can help. I can. I just had a spear thrown at me. Um, I can toss that. Awesome. To, I don't know. Midas, do you want a spear? I'll take a spear. <laughs> I toss the spear to Midas. I, uh, I I don't know if I discussed this last time, but I also decided that I have a special room in the Nightmare Dimension where I collect exotic weapons, so I can add that spear to my collection. <laughs> I mean, I thought you might use it to beat the bad guy first. But... Oh, I mean afterwards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just keeping it as a souvenir, you know? Yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Awesome. I just know where I'm going to hang it when we're done. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> He's got a spot all picked out, you know, <laughs> right, like right above the, the nightmare fireplace, you know, <laughs> amazing. Awesome. So that gets us to a seven to nine. So when you, uh, on a hit, you trade blows with your opponent on a seven to nine, pick one, uh, resist or avoid their blows, take something from them, create an opportunity for your allies or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. I'm going to resist Belch's blows by, uh, converting the rest of my body to, uh, Seven ton density. Excellent, excellent. So your ridiculously dense face connects with Belge's. <laughs> um, I've defeated him with his fist to my face technique. <laughs> uh, at the same time that this wrecking ball, his own wrecking ball, collides with the back of his head and Midas whacks it with a spear. Uh, and uh, Belch gets hit hard and he is stumbling and dizzy and just like toppling wildly doesn't seem to be like an he's not out but he's not like an immediate threat right now moonflower you are still in the midst of a duel with sir sinister what do you what are what's going on so i would like to try something that is we have established, right, that I kind of coat my knives in poison as needed. Yes. Um, so I would like to kind of duck behind one of the slot machines so that I have a second to do this, hopefully. And I'm going to coat one of my knives, but I'm going to coat the handle instead of the blade. Ooh. And then I'm going to throw it at him, hoping he'll catch it. Amazing. That's awesome. Um I think I think you're unleashing your powers. Does okay. that does that sound right? Yes. Awesome. Uh, so when you unleash your powers to overcome an obstacle, reshape your environment, or extend your senses, uh, roll plus freak. Okay, this flat roll. Awesome. I rolled a ten. Woo! Yeah, on a hit, you do it. So you throw this knife at Sir Sinister, and he just. Uh, arrogantly snatches it out of the air by the handle and uh, kind of turns his helmet to you. And then what happens? So I I think it's still going to take a second for this to take effect. Um, Can you start monologuing? I'm not a good monologuer. Oh no, he's going to monologue. Oh, he's going to monologue. Yeah, he can monologue. Yeah, this is a pathetic last-ditch attempt to take us down. You kids are in over your depth. Go back to fighting purse snatchers and petty thieves. You're not cut out for the big leagues, kid. And he is trying to shift your labels. And specifically, he is trying to uh, lower your danger 
and raise your mundane. He's saying you are um, you are not prepared to throw down with a real supervillain. And uh, you need to go back to stopping petty theft. Um, are you going to are you going to accept or reject his influence? I'm going to reject. Awesome. So when you reject someone's influence, roll it's a flat roll. With conditions? Nope, no conditions, no bonuses. Well, I have insecure marked, and isn't that negative two to Oh win? yes, insecure does affect that. So yeah. Go ahead and roll minus two then. Maybe not promising for rejecting this influence, but I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can we help? Can we help you use the team? Well, yeah. Would you roll a six? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Sam, you could totally help out. You notice? Uh, yeah. Um, so, Eden, what is uh, what does Eden's face look like as she hears this? What's going through her head? She's pretty professional. I think she's keeping a fairly straight face at the moment. Um, if you look closely, you you maybe notice that she's a little, like, jaws a little tight. But for the most part, like, she is focused on the task at hand, which is, you know, keeping Sir Sinister preoccupied long enough for her poison to take effect. Um, which, at this point in time, I think is still involving quite a bit of, like, running and dodging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Excellent. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Go ahead, so, Sam. So this is what. So Sam sees that happening. I don't. He doesn't know about the poisoned handle, but he is like getting punched by one of the, you know, thug lackey guys, and he like turns his head to the side and like spits out some blood, and he says, "Don't listen to him, Moonflower. They're not so tough." And. uh with that assistance, that'll bump you up to a seven, Moonflower. Um, so uh, on a seven to nine, you get to choose one. Clear a condition or mark potential by immediately acting to prove them wrong. Shift one label up and one label down of your choice or cancel their influence and take plus one forward against them. And I think that I would like to shift danger up and mundane down awesome so exactly the opposite of what he was trying to do yes and uh i think at this point your poison is starting to sink in uh what is what is what are the effects of of this particular concoction so it kind of starts with like some slurred speech so this monologue might be getting a little interesting towards the end Mm -hmm. um because i think it's like paralytic um that you awesome yeah, just kind of slow down <clears throat> He'll, he should be noticing it pretty soon here problem with you kids this year is just so that's why everything kind of true you don't want to work for and he kind of stares at his hand that's not moving and and just kind of slowly starts to keel over at which point I say, okay, Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Let's see. So, uh, Belch has been stumbling around. He's taking a heavy hit. Uh, Sir Sinister is pretty much down. Have panicked uh, patrons fleeing into the theater and uh, a few armed gunmen left. Um, they have seen that the m- muscle for this whole operation has been just had their butts handed to them by a couple of kids. So they don't look like they are willing to hang around much longer. Is, uh, is, is Ogre Boy just stumbling around or is he on the floor? Or like, what's he up to right now? Um, right now, he is leaning up against a pillar holding his head. Um, his little butterfly wings are kind of uh, drooping. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to offer Sam a hand up. So I think he's still on the ground. Awesome. Do you, uh, do you say anything? It'll be just not bad. And so then Sam says, uh, I got to say, actually, it was super cool. Like, it was really cool when you tricked him with that 
whatever it was you did, throwing the knife and then making him think that no, it was it was extremely cool. And you looked impressive as well. Like you look like ready to fight this like, you know, very bad dude who has access to the blade dimension. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um and I think that um somewhere in here, uh oh, when I share a triumph and celebration. I was gonna say it sounds like you're out there comforting and supporting. I was trying to add some team to the pool. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so um, yeah, go ahead and read that uh, that move for us, the beacons. Um... It's just one of my team moves that when I share a triumph and celebration with someone, tell them how they're awesome and add a team to the pool. If oh, oh. they tell me how awesome I am in return, then add another team to the pool. So, Moonflower. Um, yeah, Sam just told you how cool you are. She already said not bad. Like we don't have oh, to okay. it. She didn't that's, really. She mm-hmm. didn't, you know. But like yeah, now you know, you know if I'm like, you know, it's pretty high praise from coming. But from you know, Sam, well. even though he just got like his, you know, got like legitimately beat up for the second time in like two days, he's like, <laughs> it doesn't really care, and he's just like stoked about how cool that like maneuver was on on Moonflower's part. Amazing. I kind of toss my hair over my shoulder. yeah she's just like yeah i know i know i know great and as you're tossing your hair over your shoulder moonflower um you see a familiar silhouette on the roof opposite it's a uh um well-built male figure um about looks to be like about your age maybe older um can't really get a good look at them but you can see that they have, uh, by their silhouette, they have um, a pair of metal mechanical wings strapped to their back. They are watching you intently. You know, I'm going to pretend to ignore him. <laughs> like, deliberately, like, pointedly ignore. Awesome. But also wonder if he saw how cool what I did was. <laughs> uh yeah yeah let's um let's get a little bit of yeah what's moonflower's inner monologue when she sees uh shrike looking all super awesome up on the rooftop first of all he doesn't look that awesome <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> didn't mean to put words in your mouth <laughs> he's basic yeah <laughs> um like of course he was just hanging out like trying to look cool and not actually being useful for one thing on the other hand like at least he wasn't swooping in to like steal my thunder exactly i totally had it under control Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think i think we might just end our comic there so um yeah so uh the last uh page of this issue has moonflower um pointedly ignoring the the mysterious figure on the rooftop who's been watching the team. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at Galvanic Man. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Big Sky Charlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at theohamptonphoto.com. Wonderworld Comics is produced and edited by Michael Dunham. The music is from Dvorak Symphony No. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at wwcomicspodcast or send us an email at wwcomicspodcast at gmail.com.